Welcome to How to Trade It, The Road to Trading Mastery. Join Casey Stubbs, a seasoned trader, as he guides you to become a profitable trader. Find actionable insights, real-life stories, and strategies to boost your trading skills. Don't miss the journey to trading victory. Start listening now. Connect with us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Trading profits are just an episode away. This is the Finance and Markets Cashflow Hacking Podcast, streaming to you live, exposing the methods behind unlocking colossal wealth. Your host, Casey Stubbs. Hi, my name's Casey Stubbs from Finance and Markets, and we're on the Cashflow Hacking Podcast, and this is the first episode. And today we're going to be uh, welcoming Chris Costello, and he's going to give us some financial tips and tell us a little bit about himself and what he does. And so you want to pay really close attention because he's got some great information for us uh, that we can all take and learn and use to help our own personal financial situations. Uh, welcome, Chris. Thanks for coming. Thank you very much for having me. Happy to do it. Okay, so can you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself and uh, how you got started with what, what you're doing now? Yeah, certainly. So I think it's I think this is a, like a description that I have. I think it may be on my Twitter handle that I say that I'm an entrepreneur trapped in a financial advisor's body or vice versa uh, is generally how I describe myself. So I have been a financial advisor since the mid-1990s, so over 20 years, um, was a traditional advisor up until about five years ago. And then five years ago, myself and a couple other guys um, noticed a big problem in this country. And that, that problem is basically, if you don't have a gigantic account, you don't generally get access to quality financial advisors. And so we started a company called Bloom, spelled with three O's about five years ago. And Bloom today uh, has been one of the fastest growing robo-advisors in the entire country. Uh, we manage about $2.5 billion for around 20,000 clients, specifically people that have workplace retirement accounts like a 401k or a 403b that just don't feel confident that they know what they're doing to properly pick the investments in their account. Um, and I uh, was lucky to be one of the co-founders of that. I'm now the chairman. I passed on the reins just about a month ago, actually. I was the CEO, and we brought in another CEO, and I happily took the role of, of chairman of the board, um, but still get a chance to do things like this quite frequently, which is basically tell the story um, uh, to the public about what it is that Bloom's doing, why we're doing it, and maybe along the way today, give a few financial tips as well. Okay, well, that's pretty cool. So you, I thought I heard you say that you're a robo advisor firm. Is that did I hear that correctly? Yeah, Bloom. So Bloom, uh, the, the company Bloom um, is again, it's about five years old, and we are classified as a robo advisor, meaning. You don't come in and have meetings at conference tables with people at, at Bloom. Um, this is all done through algorithms and technology that we built. Um, the difference between Bloom and, let's say, Betterment or Wealthfront is that Bloom's the only robo-advisor that is doing 401k accounts. 
you know, Betterment and Wealthfront are doing accounts outside of your 401k, like maybe an IRA rollover or an individual account. Um, but today, we're the only robo-advisor that's focused just on the workplace retirement accounts for individuals. Um, we built this specifically for individuals. We're not looking to partner necessarily with companies. We're looking to help people that right now are tasked with managing their own retirement account. And either they don't have a, a million dollar account where they're getting an advisor or they don't want to do it themselves. That's, that's, the, niche the, that's the niche that Bloom is serving. Okay. So, so when you say robo advisor, does that mean that this is an, an investment strategy that is built off of artificial intelligence? It's just basically, you know, the, it, it, effectively prior to bloom, if you came into my office, if you had a big account and you could get in my front door, um, because before bloom, if you didn't have a million dollars, you probably weren't going to get a meeting with me uh, or my firm. Um, and but let's say if you were, if you were in my office and, and you still had a 401k, I would take a look at your 401k and I would give you recommendations on how to invest that account. We basically take, took those same types of recommendations and built those into algorithms. So anybody today that's got a 401k can show up to bloom and that same advice can be delivered through technology. It's not delivered face-to-face. You're not sitting at my conference table. It's done through technology um, to basically repeat that allocation for people over and over. Okay. Well, that's actually pretty interesting. Uh, how did you come up with your, with your artificial intelligence strategy? Is this something that you developed yourself? Yeah, I mean the the code was written, you know, by by us. That's that's not really the secret sauce, though. There's nothing really fancy. We're just following basic, boring asset allocation type strategies. You know, the 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 types of strategies that have been readily available for decades and decades. Um, and most people, if they go to a, a good financial advisor, that's the kind of help that they would get. The problem and the point that I'd want to make is that most people don't get to go to a financial advisor. Right. Okay. You do, you do if you've got a big account, you know, if you've got, you know, and, and every advisor has got different minimums, but usually most advisors only want to help you if they think they've got a chance of managing at least a hundred thousand dollars for you at some point, because financial advisors, we're not, we're, we're not non-for-profit companies. There's got to be a way that we can see a path to getting paid at some point. And so most advisors, especially the good ones, will start to raise their account minimums, just like I did. You know, after 18 years, right. you had to have a million dollars to get a meeting with me, you know. So there's some amount of wealth that you have to have to get quality help. Now, there's also a group of people in this country that are, are comfortable and enjoy managing their own investments. We call those the kind of the do-it-yourselfers. But the wealthy people and the do-it-yourselfers make up the teeny tiny minority. Right. Most people are like, um, I have no clue what large, a large cap versus how much I'm supposed to have in stocks versus bonds or how much should I have in large cap versus small cap. I don't understand the process of rebalancing my account. I'm not totally confident. I know how to manage my account as I get closer to retirement. Um, and so obviously at Bloom, we do, and we can build that into a, an algorithm uh, and a computer program that can do that for our clients. But the, I, I tell folks all the time, 
we're not saying come to bloom because we've got some artificial intelligence that's, that can beat up the next guy's artificial intelligence. It's more around access, providing a service to people that previously were given no help. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So then you're saying that you're someone that signs up will get asset allocation advice and, and specific advice on how to, on where to put it, or do you actually manage the account and, and allocate everything for them? Yeah. Great. Great question. Yeah. So I, w- I want to be very clear about this. This is not just advice. Bloom actually will place the trades for our clients. So the 20,000 clients that Bloom has today, roughly, when we are making changes in their account, we're not emailing them, telling them this is what they need to do. Our technology is going into their 401k account for them and placing those trades for the clients. So again, the same thing that I used to do for people that were worth millions of dollars, I didn't, I didn't meet with them and say, hey, you know, this is what you ought to go do or send them a list of things they ought to do. If I was managing their money, I was placing their trades for them. I was doing that for them. So we're doing the exact same thing for our Bloom clients. The difference is you don't have to have a million dollars. So we, the, the technology will take a look at your 401k. It'll look at every single option you have available to you, whether you've got 20 funds to pick, to pick from or 200. When we go into your account, we'll analyze every single one, and then we will build the allocation for you and then trade the allocation. So we'll place those trades for you. The way the algorithm is set up is it's set up to find the lowest cost investment choice in each asset class. So if we need to put 18% of your account in large cap, our software, our technology will go in and look at every fund that you can pick from where we can get large cap exposure. And then we only use the one that has the lowest, the cheapest internal expense ratio where the fees are the lowest. And we do that across the board for mid cap exposure, for small cap, for international stocks, for bonds, the whole thing. So when we're done, when we're done investing your account for you, you have an appropriate mix of stocks or bonds given your time horizon to retirement. Your account's going to look different if you're 28 versus 58, okay? So an appropriate mix of stocks and bonds. We make sure you've got enough diversification in your account. We want to make sure you don't have all your eggs in too few baskets, as they say. And then the last thing we do is that allocation is done using the lowest cost funds that your plan offers you, period. Okay. And so then when I when I sign up, would I put specific uh, preferences for my personal investing style and you might be categorize me into specific, a certain type of investor. Do you have like a different group of, of investors? Yeah. Yeah. The way, the way that we get at that is the, well, the first thing that we ask you is we ask you for, we ask really hard questions like your first name, your date of birth, and when you'd like to smash your alarm clock. I joke that I think the hardest question we ask people when they're going through this is when do they want to smash their alarm clock? So when we uh, ask- I want to be retired by 30. Well, I mean, we've got clients that have, I'm sure, selected that, you know? Yeah. And that, that dictates how your account's going to get invested. So the, the, the biggest, the most important variable to know when it comes to investing retirement money is time horizon. So what is your age today? When are you hoping 
to have the opportunity to stop working. And then that tells us our time frame. So that's, that's the first and by far most important thing to know about every one of our clients, okay? And then when it comes to kind of getting a sense of somebody's risk tolerance, instead of asking somebody the ridiculous question, I hate risk tolerance questionnaires where they ask you, tell us if you're conservative, moderate, or aggressive. Because a lot of people are like, what does that even mean? Are you asking me politically? Yeah. You know, right. or I mean, what, what does that really mean? And so, and trust me, I've used risk profile questions for almost 20 years. And I've sat down with hundreds and hundreds of clients who are given these risk profiles. I'll come in and sit down with them and they filled out half of it because they don't even understand the other questions. And then here's the other, here's the other problem with risk profile questions. Today, with the market up where it is, Dow around 25,000, I guarantee you, if I asked all 20,000 of our Bloom clients to fill out one of these risk profile questionnaires today with the Dow at 25,000, and then let's say hypothetically six months from now, the market is tanked and the Dow's at, pick a number, 18,000 or 15,000. If I gave those same 20,000 clients the same risk profile questionnaire that I gave them today, they'd all fill it out differently. Yeah, well, it's easy to ha be aggressive until you lose money. Yes, <laughs> and the then risk that profile questionnaires are yeah. largely barely even worth the paper that they're printed on or the time it took to even develop them. So instead of asking those typical questions, we give somebody the ability as they're going through their free analysis, everybody that comes to Bloom can go through like a three or four minute process where you will get a totally 100% free analysis on the health of your account today. Before you even decide to whether or not to hire Bloom, you get a free analysis. And in that process, we put uh, a, basically what I call a slider tool on the screen that they can use and adjust with their mouse or their finger if they're doing it on their phone. And they can, we may say, hey, you're 30 years old. You said you wanted to retire at 60. Here's the allocation that we think you ought to have. Our best guess, our best advice is if you've got three decades to invest this money, here's mm -hmm. how your allocation should look. But if you want to tweak that, here you go. And we give them this real intuitive slider where they can adjust and maybe they can go less aggressive or more aggressive if they want. A lot of our clients don't change it. A lot of our clients are coming to us because they recognize they, they need help, they need advice. And so usually they go with what we've recommended. But, but to answer your question, how do we ascertain what somebody's risk preferences are? We use a slider tool when they're going through that free analysis. Hello, this is Casey. And I wanted to take a minute to tell you about my new book that just came out. It's called Complete trading system. This is my 25 years of trading experience sharing everything that I have learned in how to make a profit from the markets. You're going to learn about how to find the right instruments to trade, how to find a trend, how to get started as beginners. You're going to learn about how to get the right mindset and you're going to be able to put it all together to create a trading system of your own that will work for you 
I highly recommend that you try it out. Just click the link right now. It's called Complete Trading System. It's available on Amazon. Thank you. Go ahead and check it out. I think you're going to love it. Okay, so do you guys only work with people that currently have 401ks or do they, can they open a new one or can they just use a personal investing account that's not a 401k? So today, the, the only accounts we're supporting today are workplace retirement accounts like 401ks and 403bs, not after-tax accounts, not IRAs. Now, I, I say only, I'd like to point out that today there's about 90 million Americans that have a 401k or a 403b. So we've got a lot of work we can do in that space. Um, for a lot of our target market clients, the only account they may have is their 401k. Now what we also see is a lot of our clients have several 401ks because they've changed jobs a few times and they've left old 401ks behind with their former employers. And so we have the ability to help people if they've got two or three or four 401ks even. Um, but yes, today, to, you need to have one of those types of an account, a 401k or a 403b to be a Bloom client. Okay. So a 401k is a, a retirement account that is set up by an employer, or if you're not an employer, or if, you, if your employer doesn't offer that, can you set one up on your own? No, unfortunately, no. You can do things like individual self-directed IRAs. Um, if you're self-employed, sometimes you can set up what, what are called SEP IRAs, um, but uh, we do not support those types of accounts today. Um, again, you've got to be employed at a company today that offers a 401k or a 403b, or actually even if you're a government employee, a thrift savings plan, they call those TSPs. Those folks could be a client of Bloom's uh, today as well. And it's, you know, you, you bring up a, you bring up kind of a, uh, a sad point, and that is there, there are actually about 50 to 60 million Americans right now that get up and go to work each day at a company that does not even offer a retirement account, which is, which is kind of a disservice in my opinion. Uh, I hope that changes over time. There are some states that are definitely looking at that problem. There's a couple of startup type companies that are trying to go in and create very low cost turnkey 401k plans in hopes that some of these small businesses will start to offer a 401k to their employees. Um, but again, today, um, about 90 million Americans have access to one of those accounts and about 50 or 60 million Americans do not. Okay. Well, that's pretty, pretty good information. So if you're an individual and your employer does not offer a 401k, what would you recommend that they do? The first thing before, before anybody starts saving for retirement, I don't care if you've got access to a 401k or you don't. If you are an individual and you are starting to think about, you know, uh, you know, getting your financial horse house in order, the very first thing that needs to be done is you need to pay off your debts. If you've got bad debts like student loans or credit card debt or high interest rate car loans, we tell our clients you should actually be paying those off before you start socking a lot of money into a 401k. Now, let, now let me caveat that though. If you are working at an employer 
that offers a 401k and that employer will match some of your contributions, you need to make sure you know exactly how much money you need to be putting into your 401k so you get the maximum match for your employer. It is a travesty when people are leaving free money on the table that their employer is offering through a 401k match by not contributing what they need. It's like your employer coming to you and saying, hey, we'd like to give you a bonus this year. And you say, nah, I'll pass. You keep that. And that's, yeah. that's exactly what this 401k match is. So, so are there a lot of, have you experienced a lot of people that are not taking advantage of this? And if so, why aren't they doing that? Uh, then maybe they don't know about it. Um, maybe they're intimidated about the 401k. Um, maybe they feel like they, they can't afford any contribution into the 401k. And, you know, and in some cases, I can understand that. Sometimes it's just, it's just overlooked because people are just, you know, haven't taken the time to really dig in and figure that out. So, so job number one for the people listening to this if your employer offers a 401k, please make sure you know what the match is and you need to know exactly how much you need to contribute to get all of those free dollars. So yeah. if, that, if that is the case and you have student loan debt or credit card debt or car loan debt, contribute only what you need to contribute to get all of the employer match dollars, nothing more, nothing more. Every other free dollar or discretionary dollar you have should be going to attack your debt head on. Yeah. Okay? Now, yeah. Well, back to the other group of people, let's say your employer doesn't match or let's say you don't even have access to a 401k. A hundred percent of your dollars need to be going to please pay off the debt, get debt out of your life as soon as possible before you start worrying about putting money into the retirement account. Yeah. Well, I totally agree with you on the debt side of thing because I, I just don't think it's very wise to carry a lot of debt. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that's kind of where we're at as a culture right now. Uh, it's like the American way, I think. Yeah. And so what would you say if a person just isn't disciplined enough to ever do that? Like they just can't get their own finances together would at that point, if they can never get out of debt, they should at least be trying to put something away in the IRA, even if they're not disciplined. Because then if they don't, then they're going to get retired and they're not going to have anything and they're still going to be in debt. So they're still going to be in bad shape either way. Yeah. I, you know, at, at some point you can't want more for people than they want for themselves. You know, I've always felt that, um, I, I, I know that I have some knowledge you know, given my 22 years of experience, and, and, and it's not just my work experience, it's my own life experience. I was a dumbass, you know, the first five or 10 years after I graduated from college. I made a lot of the stupid mistakes about, you know, the only time in my life I've bought a new car was when I graduated from college. You know, yeah. and my, my income today is, you know, multiples higher than what it was when I graduated from college. And I don't buy new cars today, you know, and things I do 15 year mortgages now. And I didn't do those when I was, you know, early in my career, you know, and so I've, I, I took on credit card debt. I had, when I graduated college in 1995, I graduated and had $35,000 of student loan debt. 
When I married my wife a couple years later, I inherited about $10,000 of student loan debt and some credit card debt. So we've lived this before. I hated having that debt. And, you know, for me, I was able to get myself in a position through income to work myself out of debt. And sometimes people can do that. Sometimes people can. If you are not in a position in your life today where you're, you know, I chose to go into a profession where I had no, I never had a salary early on, but I had unlimited earning potential. And some people have that. uh, Some people don't. Some people that are in careers where their income's capped. So the only other mechanism you have, if that's the case, to get yourself out of debt is to radically delay gratification. Radically delay gratification. It means living off of, um, you know, less than what you're making. It's not buying new TVs and bigger houses. It's driving a $3,000 a year car or $3,000 car until it absolutely dies. Um, I'll tell you, I'll tell you an anecdotal story actually, since we're on this topic before bloom, the company that I started before bloom was a traditional brick and mortar wealth management firm. And we started that company in 2004 with zero clients. And we built that up to almost a thousand clients. We manage, you know, that firm today manages about $750 million for people that are usually folks that are getting close to retirement. This is, this is the company I started before Bloom. Most of those people were on the doorstep of retirement. Let me tell you what the makeup of these clients that generally had a million dollars or more in their portfolio look like. First of all, almost none of them were high income earners. Right. None of them to my knowledge inherited the money. None, almost none of them were business owners because we didn't like working with business owners. I always thought business owners were kind of a pain in the butt client. So we hardly ever worked with business owners and we didn't have people that won the lottery. Okay. So let me repeat that. They weren't high income earners. They didn't inherit the money. They didn't sell a business for a bunch of money and they didn't win the lottery. Okay? So you're so- talking about responsible people that control their spending and they save what they did not that was extra. The, yes. The common thread that you could weave across almost all of that firm's clients who retired extremely comfortable was whatever they made in income, they spent less than that. Whatever they made in income, they found a way to spend less than that. That is the one common theme of the hundreds and hundreds of people that were able to stop working comfortably. It wasn't, you know, they weren't, you know, sophisticated stock market gurus. They weren't doctors or lawyers or business owners that had huge incomes. They didn't, they weren't part of what Warren Buffett called the lucky sperm club. So they didn't inherit, you know, tens. Right. Well, usually that doesn't work in your favor anyways, because if you get a bunch of money, you don't, you don't know how to live responsibly and you're just going to blow it like a crazy person. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So the the answer, and and a lot of people don't want to hear this because a lot of people would like to know that there's kind of a silver bullet to all this. The answer was those people just didn't spend a lot of money. You know, they delayed gratification. They drove, we used to joke, we hardly ever saw, if ever, BMWs or Mercedes in our parking lot. Our clients would would roll up in a car, a Honda Accord or maybe an F-150. I don't know that I ever saw a Rolex watch on my clients' hands that were worth these millions of dollars. It was a lot of Casio plastic watches. They did just kind of how they lived their life. And 
and, and it's okay if you don't, if you want to have those things, uh, but just know if your income's not high enough, just know right. that you've got to sacrifice something. If you want the Rolex and the fancy car, just know that you may not be able to stop working at, you know, at a young age or at any age, you know, it's just, and if you continue to make those decisions, it compounds and, and you might have to work until you're 70. Yeah. Well, I think that's pretty good news for the average person where, you know, it gives you a little bit of hope. hope. Yeah, yeah. Because you're all in you control. have to do is, yeah, you're in control and you, it's not hard. I think it's pretty simple. Mm-hmm. It just takes a matter of, of making up your mind and actually doing it. Yes. Um, but the results are you can live a life of a lot of freedom later on down the road where you, where you can start to enjoy life and do what you want to do. Um, I think that's well, probably the most important thing. Yeah. And, 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 and Dave Ramsey, who I have a lot of respect for, says this. He says, <clears throat> um, live, live like nobody else today so you can <laughs> live like nobody else tomorrow. Yeah. You know, you know I, I actually went through Financial Peace University the first year I was married, which was about 13 years ago, it was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. and what what Dave means by that is very few people are willing to live lean and you know scrimp and save today. Very few people are doing are willing to do that, which is why there aren't a lot of people in this country that are financially comfortable down the road. I mean, there's yeah. a very small segment of the population that would say, I am financially comfortable. And for a lot of them, it is because they made themselves uncomfortable earlier in their lives right. by <laughs> indulging in brand new cars and fancy houses and, and fancy TVs and big vacations and things of that nature. Yeah, it's actually kind of sad when you look at it because I, I talk to a lot of people now that are living on just Social Security mm-hmm. and that's all they have and they're really in a bad situation. Yeah. They can't do anything, you know, you, and it, it, I just feel bad for them. But um, hopefully enough people can, can really see how to get out of that hole ahead of time. Well, I mean, the, 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 there's been a big shift in this country in terms of how we are providing for a secure retirement for the citizens of this country. You know, it used to be 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago, it was common for somebody to work at the same company for 30 or 40 years. They would retire from that company and then they would get something that's called a pension. And right. a pension was a guaranteed payment from that company for the rest of your life. And it was a big, it was a gigantic safety net. You'd take the pension check that you get in your mailbox on the first of the month and you'd add that to your social security benefit. And there's a lot of people that were middle-class Americans that were able to retire and have dignified retirements. Well, today, almost no one outside of our teachers or outside of our police officers and firefighters that are going to get a pension. And what's been replaced or what's in its place today, it's instead of the pension is oftentimes the 401k. And it gets back to this problem that I think Bloom is solving today. You know, we've, ex- we've expected 90 million Americans to figure out how to be stock market investors. And some percentage of that 90 million are going to do fine. And some percentage of that 90 million are going to get help from an advisor. But our guess is there's probably 70 plus million people out there, average Americans, that aren't comfortable doing this themselves and don't have enough money to get help. It's kind of like 
I, I use I use this analogy commonly. Let's say today that um, right here on this podcast with you, let's say I start to have intense pain in my my lower abdomen, and it gets so darn bad that I end up having to take myself to the emergency room later today. And the doctor at the emergency room diagnoses my my problem is I'm having an appendicitis. And the doctor says, you know, we, we need to perform an emergency appendectomy before this gets bad, and we need to take your appendix out. Imagine then if the doctor said, before we schedule your surgery today, I need you to tell me how much you've saved for retirement. And I think, well, that's a really odd question, but I want to get this surgery done. So I answer the question. I say, you know, I I think I've saved about 50 grand or so for retirement. And the doctor's like, well, that's not bad. But unfortunately, you don't have enough saved for retirement for me to do your surgery. You don't qualify for me to do your surgery. But don't worry. Here's what we're going to do. And the doctor hands me a brochure. And the brochure says how to perform your own appendectomy, how to DIY your own appendectomy, how to perform surgery on yourself. I mean, yeah. We're, we're, this is ludicrous. We're laughing yeah. about it. But this is what the financial industry has done with 401ks. Yeah. You don't have enough money, but don't worry. Here's some information. Here is a blog. Here's a website. Here's a brochure. Here's a book that you should go read. And yeah. you can actually figure Now, we may say that your retirement savings, your nest egg, is not as important as your health. Okay. I can see that argument. But it's not far down the list. You know, we're still talking. Well, absolutely. And I do, however, I think I might disagree a little bit because I think that financial stewardship is really important and we should take the time to educate ourselves about it. So I'm not saying that we don't get advisors because I think a smart person gets experts and advisors in their life. But I also think the smart person is going to take some time to learn, especially about money. I mean, I take the time to educate myself about money because it's important. I, I agree. I agree. But, but, but I don't think we're going to get, I don't think the solution, <laughs> the solution will come at large. But I don't think every, all 90 million Americans are going to go out and educate themselves. Some no, I, I don't think will. they will. Yeah. Some percentage will. And if we are hell-bent on fixing this problem, our belief is the solution has to come from a tool, a service, that will do it for them. Because guess what? When my grandpa retired as a pilot in 1976, he got a pension. And the entire time he was working for TWA, he did not have to be an expert on picking investments right. account. That was done for him. And now right. all of a sudden, all of a sudden we've 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 shifted and we've said, no longer are we going to do this for our 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 workers? Now everybody needs to know how to manage a portfolio themselves. And again, I right. think some some small percentage of people will embrace the education. They will they will take the time to make themselves astute stock market investors. But if we're really going to change the tide and the economy and the entire fate of a re, of a generation of retirees, that it has we think that it has to be done for them. And, yeah. and I just want to say that I think that's really good point. And I think that that is actually a benefit of the pension or of the 401k over the pension, because, you know, when you had a pension, you had to trust in your company to manage it. And one of the pro big problems now is they just didn't really get very good at advisors or experts 
lot of those pensions lost a lot of money. And uh, so now all of a sudden people that were expecting a pension aren't having one, right. which could also be a problem with having to get your own advisor. Because right now I'm talking to you, you're bloom, you're great. But what if we go to somebody else that's not so great? We get our own advisor and our advisor really screws us over. Like, so we still got to do some due diligence because it, we need to get the right advisor and educate ourselves in that regard as well. Well, I can, I can, I can offer a tip then to your listeners to, to help make, if, if they're, if they're, if, if people listening to this have a, have a decent amount of dough and they think they've got enough money socked away where they, they would qualify to get an advisor. And I'm, and again, there's no one number. Every advisor is a little bit different, but it's safe to say that most advisors won't help people if they've got 18 grand in their 401. Yeah. That's all they've got. But let's say you've got a couple hundred grand. Um, and you're wondering, well, how, you know, what, what's a, what's a way that I can maybe guard against getting a bad advisor? I can give you one question to ask. Okay. You need to ask your potential. If you're interviewing advisors, you need to ask that advisor one question. Basically, are you a fiduciary or even simpler? Are you bound and required by law to act in my best interest? Basically, are you a fiduciary and are you required to act in my best interest or the okay, same? Okay, so that's two. Oh, that's the same question. The same thing. A fiduciary means they're required to act in your best interest. Yes. A okay. broker that is not a fiduciary, because if you work at Merrill Lynch today or Morgan Stanley, um, uh, if you are working as a, in a broker capacity, you are not required to act in the client's best you interest. You act in the company's best interest. You can act in your own and or the company's best interest. Yeah. As long as that investment is suitable for the client, if, that in, if, if you've got, I'll give you an example. Let's say you're a broker. You've got a client that's meeting with you. And, the, and, and you've asked the client a series of questions, you know, what's this money for? How long do we have to invest it? What type of, you know, one of those crappy risk tolerance questionnaires we were joking about earlier, you know, you've had them fill out one of these and the client, and then you've got, as the broker has two investments that they're deciding behind, they're both suitable, meaning they're both appropriate for that client's needs, that client's age, their risk tolerance, two different investments that are both suitable. This investment pays the broker a big commission and costs the client a lot more. This one doesn't pay me very much and it costs the client a lot less. The uh -huh. broker's free to recommend the higher commission, higher cost product to their client. If you're a fiduciary, if you're an advisor that has to act as a fiduciary, you have to, both are suitable, you have a higher standard that you have to operate by. You've got to offer the one that is the lower cost to the client, even though that pays you less. Because if you're a fiduciary, you have to put your interests, your client's interests ahead of your own. And there are going to be people right now that are listening to this. They're like, what? You're telling me that there are financial advisors that don't have to act in my best interest? Yes. So what's the difference? Like why... Are you a fiduciary? Yes. And if so, why do you have to do that and other people don't? Well, it's the way in which you're registered. Um, and it gets back into a lot of the, the laws in which how uh, registered representatives and brokers versus advisors were regulated. So 
investment advisors that are registered with the SEC are bound to act in a fiduciary capacity to their clients, okay? That's how my last firm was registered. It's how Bloom is currently registered as a fiduciary, as an investment advisor with the SEC. But a lot of the industry does not register in that capacity. They register um, as, as registered representatives, as salespeople, as brokers. Now, the problem is we've, meddled, we've muddied the titles in the industry today. You know, it used to be when I first started in the business in 1995, you know what my title was? Stockbroker. Okay. Right. It was clear that I was selling stocks. Right. Okay? Right. And then everybody, we kind of got away from the salesy type titles. Nobody calls themselves a life insurance salesman anymore. You know, those people are now called financial consultants. And nobody calls themselves stockbrokers anymore. Brokers are called financial advisors. And so, the American public has been confused because everybody's title in the industry has kind of come together and it's financial advisor, wealth advisor, wealth consultant, financial consultant, you know, one of those derivations. Um, but there are definitely distinctions in how people are governed. And your question was, why, why are we a, why do we have to act in a fiduciary capacity? The, the reason why we do is because, not because we were told to, because I think that's the fair way of doing business. Right. I think that I think that my doctor, my attorney, my financial advisor should have to have to should have to have my best interest at heart. I don't want them working off of competing agendas. I don't want them to be conflicted. I don't want them to be trying to sell me products to qualify for a trip to Hawaii. I want them to be offering <laughs> what's best for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's so boy, that's good a good comment. Yeah. Um yeah. so and that, that, so that would be the one question that I, a piece of advice or a tip is if you've got people listening that are going to be interviewing advisors, or maybe they've got an advisor right now, go ask them, are yeah. you a fiduciary and or, um, and if you really want to get at the heart of the question, are you bound by law to act in my best interest? Or do you only have to recommend what is suitable to me? That's uh, a great question. Well, we're actually running out of time, but I got two really quick questions for you. Uh, and so the first one is, uh, if I have an employer 401k, uh, what steps do I have to take to get you to, to work with you? Do you have to take control of my account? Do I have to change accounts or, or how does that whole process work? Great question. The first thing, the big thing I would like to recommend to everybody that's listening to this, that has a 401k, I, I actually think all 90 million Americans should do this because it takes three minutes and it's free. Go to the Bloom website and keep in mind Bloom is spelled with three O's. Um, if you go to Bloom with two O's, you're gonna end up at an online cosmetics company. That's not us. <laughs> Bloom with three O's. And if you click on the get started link, you can t if, you'll, if you'll give us three minutes of your time, we will give you a free health analysis of your 401k. So we'll tell okay. you, things. we'll tell you, if you have an appropriate stock to bond mix for your time, for your age and time horizon to retirement, we'll tell you if you've got decent diversification, meaning you don't have too many eggs and too few baskets. And the third thing we'll tell you is what you're paying in hidden fees. I'm going to guess that almost no one listening to this has really a true sense of what they're paying in fees inside their 401k. We'll tell you, okay? We'll show you the health of your account depicted by a flower. That flower you've got sitting on your desk behind you, we use the image of a flower to convey 
how healthy your account is. And you don't need a PhD in finance to decipher a, a complex chart or a graph. If your flower's dead with a fly buzzing on it, there's probably room for improvement, okay? But we use that image to convey that health. You could stop there. It'll take three minutes of your life and no cost. You could stop there and get and just choose to, okay, thanks for the advice. Uh, I can see how I can make some changes on my own to make my 401k better because we show you how it should look for free. And you could stop there and go on about your day and handle it yourself. But then if you're like, you know what, if I'm being honest with myself, I don't spend any time with this, or maybe I don't understand it, or I do understand it, but I'd like to hire a professional to do it for me. The only cost that Bloom charges is $10 per month. So I can now say that we charge less than what you're paying for Netflix to invest in bettering your retirement nest egg for your future. It's $10 a month. It is cancel at any time. So if you sign up for Bloom and after some period of time, you don't think you're getting $10 worth of value each month, then you can cancel with no strings attached. And so you guys are charge $10 a month. Is that the only way that you guys get compensated is through that subscription fee? That is it. That okay. is it. We don't have and anything to do with the funds in your account. Yeah. We're not moving your money anywhere. We can't move your money anywhere. It has to, if you're still working at that company, it has to stay in your 401k. But you can help me save uh, some hidden fees though. Absolutely. Because you may not know all of the costs of the funds inside your 401k, but, uh -huh. Bloom, but Bloom does. And like okay. I talked about earlier, we will direct you when we place the trades for you, we're going to be putting you in the lowest cost funds inside of your 401k. Awesome. We've, got, we've got stories. There's actually a ticker on our website right now. If you go to our website, collectively, we've saved our clients over a half a billion, and I'm talking a billion with a B, in lifetime hidden fees. On average, we see on average a 30-something-year-old, on average, after they sign up for Bloom, is on track to save about $40,000 a year in hidden fees. And that's, that's aside from just all the other stuff we're doing, which is getting you into a more appropriate allocation, rebalancing your account, helping you do better. I'm talking about just fees alone could add up to be $40,000 over a lifetime. And these are things that people have no clue. Yeah, that's a lot of fees. They're kind of like yeah, termites totally in your house. Hidden. <laughs> we, 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 we make the analogy. You can't get rid of them. You can't see them, but they're yeah. there and they're wreaking havoc. Well, Chris, thank you so much. Uh, this has been Chris Costello with Bloom. And just if you're interested, stop by his website, bloom.com, B-L-O-O-M.com. All right. Well, thanks for uh, coming by today. Thank you very much for having me. You've been listening to the Finance the Markets Cashflow Hacking Podcast. To get all the best financial growth strategies, visit financeandmarkets.com and claim your wealth report strategy. Thanks for tuning in to another insightful episode of How to Trade It with Casey Stubbs. We hope you found today's discussion valuable and inspiring. Remember, the road to trading mastery is a continuous one, and your commitment to learning and growing as a trader is the key to your success. 
If you have any questions, comments, or topics you'd like us to cover in future episodes, please reach out to us at podcast at tradingstrategyguides.com. Keep listening, keep learning, and keep trading your way to victory. Until next time.